0: Christ the Holy Servant Church in Buffalo, New York presents weekly sermons and homilies from Father Joshua Baker and Deacon Alan Strauss. Father Joshua is a priest in the CEC dedicated to spreading the message of the gospel and celebrating the ancient faith and worship of the church. CTHS is a family of families, a place to belong and grow, a house of prayer. And now, here's Father Josh. Father God, as we join together in worship, let us not forget your infinite patience and love in dealing with your people, of which we count ourselves. Use us in your service, that we may draw others into your kingdom. To your praise and glory we ask this. Amen. So I thought it would be a nice touch, a little bit different I thought it would be beneficial to your soul to see me at my house. All right, I forgot to write my sermon. I forgot to record my sermon. I wrote my sermon. I had it all printed out, and I just forgot to do it. (laughs) I came home. I got halfway here, and I went, oh, no. So I'm going to record my sermon here. Uh, Welcome to the house. It's got walls. It's white. Welcome to Casa de Baker. All right. Now, let's just get into our sermon today. Last week, our passage came from John chapter 14, where we began looking at the final teaching of Jesus before he went to the cross. And in the first half of his teaching, he assured us that we did not have to live with troubled hearts, but that we would be comforted by the knowledge that our faith in God aligns us with Jesus, and that we follow him as the truth and the life. And that through Jesus we come to the Father. That was the first half. That was last week. This week we look at the final half of Jesus' teaching, where Jesus begins to make promises to his disciples. He begins to lay out the new covenant that he was handing to them when he offered them the bread and the wine. And he said, this is the new covenant. This is the my blood of the new covenant. And then he fi- his final words before he goes to his passion is to explain the rest of that covenant to the people. Now, you have to remember, covenants were not new things. That, that They had been living under the covenants established through Adam and Noah, through Moses and David. But this new covenant, this new way of living in relationship with the Father comes from Jesus. And you can hear the depths of Jesus' heart and his love for God and for his people. And he's about to go win us on Easter morning. So he makes three promises. First, he promises to be our high priest. Next, he promises to send the Holy Spirit. And finally, he promises to come to us again. Now, by now... You know how John does his work, because we've been spending all Easter season studying how John used a structure called a chiasm. Well, today we're going to look at another chiasm, but we're not going to look at the beginning of John, the middle of John, the end of John, because we did that last week and it's all the same. Instead, we're going to look at this small chiasm within John chapter 14, verses 15 through 21. So grab your Bibles, you're going to need it. Because we're going to put the verses that match up together. The light at the beginning, the greater light at the end, we're going to look at them together today. And we're we're going to be able to see by the time we get down to it, what was the central thing God wanted us to know? What was the central thing Jesus needed us to know before he went on his passion walk? So please open up your Bibles, swipe, open, flip, click, whatever you got to do, but get to John chapter 14. And while you're turning there, before we get right into it, before we move on, I need to talk to you about L-O-V-E, love. Now... We have a lot of different views of love. We have a lot of different things to know about love. We have lots of different understandings of love. But first I want to talk about when you're young in a relationship. You have this idea of love. And it's probably that you already had this idea of love before you even got into a relationship. And you can't get away from this idea, even once you first get into that relationship, that love is this tingly, gooey, strange, feeling you get in your fingertips when you get around someone you think is absolutely adorable. And we have a name for that. That's called puppy love. And scientists have been studying this and have found out that puppy love is a real thing. It's not... Something that we just made up in, in society, that it's a chemical reaction that happens in your brain. And it, it fires away, and that feeling, that tingly, ooey-gooey feeling that you get is actually drugs that your brain is releasing into your body and causing you to have a reaction. And that's why you feel good, you feel weird, you, you feel short of breath, your heart flutters, your fingers shake, you might start to blush, you might get a little bit warm. That's puppy love. And what they found out is that it doesn't really matter how old you get, that old dogs can have puppy love too. What matters is how new is the relationship that you're starting to enter in. How new is the person that you're interacting with? And then when they studied it a little bit further, they found out, on average, this chemical reaction, this rush of endorphins, this puppy love, lasts about a year and a half. And after that, the chemical reaction goes away. And what you find is that at about the year and a half mark in a relationship, something happens. This, all of a sudden... The strange little things that the other person has always done, they don't seem that cute anymore. The the strange little things that the other person did actually start to drive you nuts. They start to irritate you like crazy. Like when you ask them to keep their feet off your desk. Or you ask them to keep their laundry in certain places confined. And they just don't. And then the arguments come. And that's why a lot of relationships don't really make it past the year-and-a-half mark. The year-and-a-half mark is considered to be a make-or-break point in a relationship because you start to argue, because all those things, they're not that cute anymore. And you've realized, okay, I used to think it was a little cute. Now I kind of wanted to change them, and I'm starting to realize I'm not going to be able to change them. And you're kind of stuck with the idea that they're just going to keep doing this thing for the rest of their life and the rest of your life if you stick around. And every time Jess and I have this conversation, it always ends with, you know, I love you, you rack of fallen hee bity hobbity hibbity know? Yeah. And the other person always says, no, no, if you loved me, you'd put your clothes away. Or if you'd love me... You'd keep your feet off my desk. And what we're really saying is, if you loved me, you'd listen to me. Unless it's me, and Jesse's talking to me, and then it's, if you loved me, you'd do what I told you. No, 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 that's not... No, it's really, if you loved me, you'd listen to me. And that's really true. The chemical reaction love isn't really a deep love. It's, it's very superficial. It's a trick. It's a delusion of love. True love is when you put what the other person wants above what you want. Because that's how we love God too. We put what he wants for us above what we want for ourselves. And Jesus knew that. Look at verse 15, John 14 verse 15. He said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And the matching passage at the end of the passage that we're going to be looking at, skip ahead to John chapter John chapter 14 verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them he it is who loves me. And there's a couple things I think we can learn from this because it kind of sounds like John is repeating himself. And he is. And that's the entire point. That's the point of a chiasm. It's, I told you once, and now I want you to remember this. The famous basketball coach, John Wooden, said, there are eight laws of learning, and they're this. Explanation. Demonstration. Imitation. Repetition. 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 (laughs) Well, Jesus needs them to learn this. And so he explained it to them in verse 15. He showed them what to do. He told them to follow his example and to do what he does. And now with John, he's repeating it over and over and over again. If you love me, you'll listen to me. If you love the Father, you'll listen to the Father. And when he repeats it again in verse 21, he twists it just a little little bit. And this time he doesn't say, if you want to love me, listen to me. Now he says, if you keep my commandments, you will know that you love me. God's convicted me of this this past week, that every time I sin, every time, whether it's a lie, now I have to ask myself, do I love Jesus? Every time you steal, you should ask yourself, do I love Jesus? How can you know if someone loves Jesus? It's if he keeps Jesus' commandments. And before you can keep his commandments, first you need to have his commandments. And I'm currently doing confirmation classes with little Josh, and i got to apologize, Josh... If you're out there, if you're listening, I'm sorry. We're going to get you back on the calendar. We're going to get your classes going again soon. I'm going to get you scheduled this week. And now I've said it and everybody heard me, so now I have to do it. Right? But those confirmation classes are a very big step in a Christian's development and in their life with God because Jesus' commandments, the first part of the covenant that Jesus is giving to us, the first part of, of our relationship with God is now being handed over to Josh. And after this, he'll have them. He'll have received them. He'll have them in his mind and in his body and in his soul. And what that means is that if he chooses not to follow, he'll have to start asking himself, do I really love Jesus? It reminds me of a poem I saw that goes like this. If Jesus should come today and find my hand so full, of future plans however fair, in which my Savior has no share, what would he say? If he should come today and find my love so cold, my faith so very weak and dim, and I had not even looked for him, what would he say? If he should come today and find that I had not told one soul about my heavenly friend whose blessings all my way attend, what would he say? If he should come today, would I be glad, quite glad, remembering that he died for all and none through me had heard his call? What would he say? It's like Paul said to the Greeks in our first reading today. He said, when you didn't know you were sinning, God overlooked those sins. He chose not to pay attention to them. He forgave you by not paying attention to your sins. But now that you have heard and you know, now that his commandments are with you, now when you get that next temptation, when there's work to be done, but You get on YouTube just for a second, and all of a sudden, it's time to go to bed. When you're pretty full, you're not really hungry, but there's that perfectly good slice of pie left over. When you just can't stop worrying, and your worry becomes a comfortable place to be, and you almost embrace your worry because distrusting everything and everyone around you keeps you safe you can in that moment call up your faith and say, today, I'm going to make a different choice because I have Christ's commandments in my heart and I love Jesus and I love his Father and I have the Holy Spirit living in me and through him who strengthens me, I can do all things. So Jesus moves on to the next part of the covenant back to verse 15, where it moves away from what we need to do and to what Jesus and God will do for us. Verse 16, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Now jump ahead to verse 21. It says, And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. You see, Jesus gives them the promise of Pentecost, to send the Holy Spirit to be with us and to express the presence and the love of God made manifest in this place. And I'll be honest, if there's anything that this pandemic has done, it has been to remind me of the longing I have to experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because I need God to be my helper. I need to know that God is with me forever. And you need to know that God loves you. And he wants to reveal himself to you today. He wants to make his presence manifestly known where you are today. Go back to verse 17. Jesus is continuing to say the promises that he's making to us. And he says, I'll give you even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. And you know him for he dwells with you. And will be in you. Skip ahead, verse 19. He says, Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, and because I live, you will also live. The Apostle Paul told this to the Greeks in this big auditorium called the Areopagus when he walked past all, past all these beautiful statues, these magnificent, gorgeous recreations of these gods that the Greeks had imagined. They said, what should a god look like? Give him tons of muscles. Give him supernatural powers. They imagined this, and then they made it into marble. And Paul's walking past all these imagined gods, these big statues, and he walks past an empty spot where he sees an empty plaque sitting there saying, to the unknown god. And Paul basically told him this truth that we all have a sense that God is real and we all know that evil is evil and that good is good and we all have this sense inside of us that God is there. And the Greeks had this sense. But what they didn't have was knowledge of who he was. But the Holy Spirit had been given to those who have received the truth. He came to dwell with us and in us. And even though Jesus had been taken to heaven, and we can't ask him, I can't open a door behind me and say, Hey, Jesus, come out here. I want, I want you to meet somebody. I, I can't have him shake someone's hand. But even though I can't do that, we still see him. We still know him. We can still introduce people to him. And Jesus, even though he's gone, he's not far away. Though he is in heaven, He's also here. He's here at the communion table. He's in our midst as we gather when we can gather. He is in the heart of every believer who trusts in him. He is not far away. And he is not dead, but he is alive forevermore. A man named Richard Evans once said, The tragedy of life is not that it ends so soon, but that we wait so long to begin it. Because Jesus lives, we also live. And we have died to sin and death, and we live in him forevermore. And that's why I'm not so worried about this virus. I mean, I want to be careful, I don't want to be careless with this precious gift of life that God has given to us, this life that's in me and the life that's in my children and the life of each and every one of you in in this congregation. And as much as I want to be with all of you in person once again, I know that I need to be responsible as your spiritual father. And I need to treasure the life that God has put in each and every one of you. But I need you to know that we're not making decisions out of fear. We're making decisions out of love. I know that this separation feels like suffering, even if to some of you you just think that you're suffering the foolishness of others. But regardless, it is suffering. It's isolating, it's suffocating, it's painful. But what is love without some pain? That you suffer during this pandemic out of love, not fear. Maybe it's hard to see it, but it's actually making you more like Jesus every moment. Because what are you really doing? You're laying down what you desire. You're laying down what is comfortable for you for the sake of others out of the love for the life that Jesus has put into them. I always hear these funny little statements, these little quips that come across and say things like, the mortality rate for humans is 100%, but I say that what's 100% for Christians is the eternity rate. I've heard, don't take life too seriously. You'll never make it out alive. But for Christians, I say, take life seriously And Jesus will make sure that you leave into life. Let's look at the last promise that Jesus makes. John is showing us by by moving from the outside, these matching statements in, 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 until we get to one statement in the center that doesn't have a match on either side. We're left with one central statement that John is saying, this is the most important thing that Jesus wants you to take away today. Verse 18. This is the verse that John wants us to treasure in our hearts as we prepare to remember, as we're watching him, as we prepare to remember watching him ascend to the right hand of the Father. Verse 18, Jesus says to us, I will not leave you as orphans. He's saying, I will not leave you fatherless. I will not leave you bereft of a teacher. I will not leave you without a guide, without a guardian. I will come to you. And when the disciples didn't know what to do on the third day and Jesus came to them, and when Thomas didn't know what to believe, Jesus came to him. And when Peter wasn't sure if he would be accepted back by God after denying him, Jesus came to him. And when the members of Christ the Holy Servant Church didn't know how they were going to make it during this pandemic, Jesus came to you. And he comes to you now. He comes in the phone calls and the messages from others. He comes to you in the bread that we partake of together. He comes to you in your prayers. He comes to you in your belief and in your doubt. And when that moment comes, whether it's the moment where you breathe out and you don't breathe in again, whether it's the moment where you're afraid and you're worried, or whether you face hardship and suffer, Jesus comes to you and leads you home. Dear Jesus, by your radiant and magnificent resurrection, you broke the bonds of death and rose from the grave as a conqueror. You reconciled heaven and earth. Our life had no hope of eternal happiness before you redeemed us. Your resurrection has washed away our sins, has restored our innocence, and has brought us joy. How inestimable is the tenderness of your love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Mm You've been listening to sermons and homilies from Christ the Holy Servant Church in Buffalo, New York, delivered weekly by Father Joshua and Deacon Allen. If you'd like to connect with us or find out more, visit our website at ChristTheHolyServant.com. Join us for live prayer every morning at 7 a.m. Or join us for worship on our Facebook page at Facebook.com backslash ChristTheHolyServant or on YouTube by searching for Christ the Holy Servant. We hope this has blessed you and helped you come closer to God, our Father. And now, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand.